This is Erased. I'm Colette Bauer-Zinn. And this is Lisa Johnson. Two Black moms bonded by bluntness, tenacity, and an unwavering commitment to creating communities of support. Every Thursday, we're exploring where the intersections of education, race, and culture collide, dissecting interracial issues to help you navigate and thrive, despite being marginalized. Welcome to Erased. I'm Lisa Johnson. And I'm Colette Bowers-Zinn. Thank you for joining us for our very first episode. We're here to tell you a little bit about ourselves, tell you a little bit more about the podcast, and why you should tune in every week. So... I'm Lisa Johnson, and I am founder of Private School Village, and that is a nonprofit that brings black families and independent schools together, K through 12, just so we can increase racial socialization, share resources, provide programs, um, and really just make sure our kids are feeling a stronger sense of belonging in the school community. I am one of three children born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm now a proud Los Angeles resident and mom of two. And I had the good fortune of meeting this fabulous lady who is my co-host about a year and a half ago through kind of a sticky situation that she handled with grace and charm and bluntness. Um, <laughs> but it quickly bonded us and has led us to this table, and I'm so grateful to be here with her. I am Colette Bowersin. Grateful to be here with you, Lisa. I am the owner of Zen Education Management, an education consulting company that works with schools, oftentimes on issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and supports families with everything they need for their educational support needs. I am a proud, proud mama of two children, a boy age 13 and a girl age 10, passionate about all things education, children of color, and everything that goes on in the world. And why erased? Why now? Are you living and breathing in America right now? Correct. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> why now. End of discussion. <laughs> it's a really important time where people of color are being asked to explain a whole lot and to give a lot of perspective. Yeah. So erased is here to offer that insight and perspective of two very vibrant women of color. Absolutely. Who are here to explore the intersectionalities of race, culture, and education. Yeah. So, Colette, do you remember the first, like, your first racial experience where you, where you realized that's what's, that's what was happening? Interestingly enough, I remember the first time I was forced to contend with race and really think about my racial identity, and that was in middle school, and it was at the hands of other black students at the private school that I was newly enrolled in. And it wasn't anything traumatic, mm -hmm. but it was that whole, you're not black. And the reasonings not being- Not black enough? No, you're mm -hmm. not black. And the reasons being, your parents pay full tuition, so you're not on scholarship. Mm -hmm. You don't take public transportation to this school, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The ridiculous things we say yeah. and value as kids. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, I, I knew I was black by right, that point in right, time. Right. But that was the first time that I had to really contend with what does it mean to be black? Yeah. And what is this notion of there are certain behaviors, certain socioeconomic associations. Right, right. That even we put on each other. On each other. And yeah. that is a topic that we need to discuss yeah. just as much as yes. what 
the others do to us what as we what we other. do to each other Absolutely. and ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. My first kind of, I think, awareness came in fifth grade. There was, um, there's always this fifth grade play, and it was um, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> And I went out for Alice. And I was just so confident I was going to get Alice. And I remember the role went to my best friend, who was this blonde, blue-eyed little girl who looked just like Alice. And I remember then, like, having the thought of, I wonder if it's because she looks like her and I don't. And and that kind of started this whole kind of internal reflection of, who am I and how do I fit in here? And that continued the next year when I went to private school for the first time. And I was bused to private school 30 minutes away. So I lived on the black side of town in Atlanta, Georgia, on the southwest side of town. And I'm going to Buckhead every day to school. And all those kids thought I lived in the ghetto. Because all they ever saw on the news every day was Southwest Atlanta, there's a shooting, and da 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 Not understanding just how spread out Southwest Atlanta really is. I mean, I lived, I lived in a nice neighborhood, but I was so confused at that age. I was so confused as to why there weren't better amenities near us, why we had to go so far to go to school, and why all these kids just thought, you know, because of what they were seeing on news, and not only that, at that time, I'm also trusting the news. I'm like, well, if the news says it, maybe we are on a bad side. But then I go home, and I'm like, this is not bad. <laughs> so I was really confused, but that kind of started the whole awareness thing for me. And then it just it grew from there. In private school, kids would be kids. But I remember this one time, one of my basketball teammates was like, Lisa, you know, you're you're not really black. You're, you're kind of a different caliber black. And I just remember being like, I was so stupid. Duck. I understood then, like, she's meaning to compliment me, <laughs> but this is not a compliment. <laughs> Correct. When right. I was in middle school, and that was part of it, too. We lived, lived still, my parents, in Ladera. Mm -hmm. And I remember my basketball coach saying to me, oh, that's the black Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. And my brain going, why do we have to qualify it as a black right. Beverly Hills? And what does that mean? Right. And... Part of me was like, ooh, yeah. I live in the black Beverly Hills. And right. the other part was like, whoa, yep. whoa. Yeah. But what I think is so interesting about this is how old were you then? Twelve. So we were young, we were upper middle school, uh, upper elementary, lower middle school age, whatever. And yet you have this whole conversation going on right now of when do you talk to your kids about race? Right? And it's so obvious, like just from our own experiences. In the womb. You start to, yes, you start to try and figure it out from very, very early. And in the absence of someone there giving you that information, you will do your best to figure it out, right or wrong. And that's how a lot of these little white kids <laughs> And that's also what motivated me to start working in independent schools when I wanted to get into education because I was lucky enough yeah. to have my mom who's an educator. Yeah. And some a really powerful black woman who was the head of our middle school yeah. at the time in my life. And a lot of kids don't. Yeah. So trying to navigate these yeah. predominantly white spaces without someone, like I said, to name for them that they are not crazy. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think we go into these institutions. You know, one of the things that saved me in my experience was we lived on the black side of town. We were in social and civic organizations in the black church. And so my my family kept us rooted and engaged in the community. And I think that's, I think to this day, that's what we think we're going to have to do. And we're willing to do it. And we concede that 
we're going to give up something. And we don't, we don't demand it. We just stop demanding it. We stop going into the door and saying, uh, I am the gift. <laughs> I am a gift. And, and that stuff adds up. It does add on up. On the psyche. It, it adds up. Yeah. And then you wonder why, as an adult, you're making certain choices, not fully valuing yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That lifelong impact. Which, you know, speaks to another pet peeve and kind of issue of mine. We're talking about these elite institutions, right? These are supposed to be the creme de la creme. And yet research shows that a diverse community impacts every possible positive academic outcome, not just for black kids, but for all kids. And yet still, these are some of the institutions that are woefully not diverse. Like, it's just like, again, we know that. And then relying on the go-to argument that to make them more diverse, that would mean we need more financial aid budget, (sighs) which is a horrible and horribly wrong at this day and age assumption. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I just feel like, though, you know, it just flies in the face of the mission of what it means to be in an elite institution. If this is truly your mission to provide the best of the best education, you should be the most diverse in the world. And that's why we're here. Yes. And that's why we do the work that we do outside of Erased. And so while we're talking about our experiences and our choices surrounding independent schools, I just want to name that part of what brings us together is our desire for change and our optimism that if we put the work in, the collective work in, in partnership with these institutions and in other places in our lives, that a lot of good can come. Right. Well, and I think that's also why we do also apply into these schools, knowing all of this. I, I love the potential. I love the possibility that these schools provide. I love my alma mater. I had issues there. <laughs> I have issues now as a parent. But it's not about being perfect. It's about, you know, doing the work. And the time is now. Yeah. So to start having these really honest conversations about all this intersectionality yes. and getting into some history, exploring different perspectives, yeah having honest conversation, making suggestions is all being done with the hope of moving the ball forward and creating positive change. And we're going to have fun because we are two vibrant, amazing, intelligent, hilarious, hilarious women. (laughs) And that's all going to come to the forefront as we explore some areas that will make you want to laugh, cry, throw something, smile. Yeah get engaged, help create change, all of it, all of it. Join us for our first official episode next Thursday as we discuss Black Student Lives Matter. As the summer is wrapping up and schools are starting again. In just days. Let's talk about it. With these blackout movements blowing up on Instagram, highlighting the horrific experiences that some kids of color have had in these independent schools, we're going to spend some time exploring that and talking about how schools should be making some changes to support their students of color. And how parents can better arm and equip their children, no matter to what degree the schools may or may not be doing that job appropriately. Um, And every Thursday, we're going to be releasing a new episode. But this first one's going to be particularly important um, because... School is starting, and we are living in a new um, 
a new time. It's not going away. And we just need to really, really uh, continue to push this and amplify it and help create some change. Join us next Thursday for the episode Black Student Lives Matter. Follow us at Erased Podcast on Instagram, E-R-A-C-E-D. The time is now. Time is now, and we will no longer be erased. Erased.